from Wyoming Public Media. This, this, this is this is spoken 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 words spoken words. This is spoken words. I'm Micah Schweitzer. Eldon Edwards was her father-in-law. Their houses were only a hundred yards apart and a good half hour from the nearest town. Is he hurt? She started sobbing again. He's dead. He's been shot. This time, we're hearing from mystery author Shannon Baker. After 20 years of living in Nebraska, she now lives in Arizona with her husband and uses her writing to take her back to the familiar landscapes of the Midwest. When I first drove through the sand hills, I was in college, and this was a long, long time ago, and it was August. It was really, really hot, and everything was dried. We were probably in a drought year, although at that time I didn't pay that much attention. But I thought, oh, my God, nobody would ever live here. This is the bleakest landscape I've ever seen. And, you know, you shouldn't tempt the gods that way because within a year I was married and, and had moved out there. And, you know, I, I remember a month after I got married sitting on, this is how long ago it was, a waterbed, and just bawling and thinking, I've got to get out of here. I can't, I can't live like this. Our nearest neighbor was five miles away by the, the way the crow flies. I was really isolated and I finally, you know, at that point, it's too soon to get divorced. You know, then you just get labeled a flake and you're done. So I decided I would just learn to love it. And I did. And so it was a conscious effort to learn to love the sandhills. And when I started to really start searching for the beauty in the sandhills, it's just everywhere. You know, the birds and the sky and the the way the, the grass turns red in the fall. I mean, it's just beautiful. And it's, you know, it's a metaphor for life. You get out of it what you put into it. But it's not all beauty and wild Nebraska landscape. It's people, too. I'm really having a great time writing the series. Once I figured out that I, that I had a series and I wanted to write a series, because the first, the Nor Abbott books, I, I kind of forced a series onto that. With the, with the Kate books, Kate's got eight brothers and sisters. You know, so I've got plot lines coming out my ears. You know, each sibling can have some kind of storyline. And setting the series in the Sand Hills is just so much fun for me. It's a place I know so well, and it's full of quirky characters. It's an, a unique place. So going back there over and over again is fun. And I've, I've, I'm now working on book three, and I've developed some characters that I just can't wait to go back and see what they're up to. I haven't lived in the Sand Hills for 10 years, and I came to it as an outsider. And so for me, all these interesting people, they weren't somebody I knew from, from childhood. So I, I you know, was plopped down into this world, and I saw all these people in a, in a way that you would if you just started picking up a book. And you would say, well, this is a really quirky character. Look how funny they are. I mean, for instance, I used to run, you know, jog along the, the country roads in the sand hills, which is not something most people do. And so I was different. But I would be jogging along the road, and this old, this old rancher would come up, and he was, he was known for being slow, incredibly slow. And he would pull up next to me in this old beater pickup, and he would look at me and he'd say, If you're not in a hurry, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> so, you know, the whole area is full of characters like that that just crack me up. So they get to live again in my book. And I don't like them all, or Kate doesn't. So it, it makes it fun that way. Baker admits her writing takes on the hard times, too. Over time, her fictional plots have become tools to work through a lot of real-life situations. It's so funny. So I've had four books published. This will be my fifth. 
and if I look at them and, you know, in retrospect, when I go back and, and look at them, I can see how I'm working through things all the way through on all my books. So the first one, you know, there's, there's mother issues. And in fact, in the series, the Nora Abbott series, there's mother issues through that whole thing. The first book that I ever published, which thankfully is out of print at this point, had daddy issues, you know. So I have killed, um, more than once in short stories, I've killed a cheating husband. And Kate actually has a cheating husband, but I've, it's been a really long time since I experienced that. So there's some humor and some, you know, there's two sides to it in, in Kate's story. Whereas in some of my short stories, there's just one side. <laughs> so yeah, I, I work through a lot of things. Um, I happen to be in a really happy place in my life. So I think, I think the tone in the Kate, Kate series are much lighter than, than in some others, at least. There's no heavy doom and gloom floating through it. Kate's a nicer person than, than I have some of the characters I've written. They always say living well is the best revenge, and it, it totally is. I mean, I, and, and time, you know, things just fade over time. You, you know, you get involved in something else and you let other things go, which is always a healthy thing. It took a good 10 years for me being away from the Sandhills, because I lived there for 20 years. So it took a good 10 years for me to come full circle back to appreciating the place and appreciating the people and, and again, you know, having a sense of humor about, you know, a cheating husband instead of just, you know, wanting to eviscerate him on the page. So there are things in the books that are taken from my life, but not verbatim. Kate's completely different from me. I would, Kate grew up in this family that had been in the Sandhills for, for three years, and she's related to almost everybody, and she knows everything. It's, you know, it's just genetic. Everything's part of her and part of the Sandhills. Whereas, you know, when I was 21, I, I was just dropped into this other planet, and I didn't know how to do stuff. Kate's very capable. She can, she can take care of cows and machinery, and she's very capable of, of everything. Baker says her character Kate has come alive for her. She says it's been a lot of fun to explore Nebraska in her books and see how Kate would handle the problems set before her. Uh, you know, I like Kate because she just, she's unsentimental, but she's kind. You know, she does what she needs to do. That's what my, my, I remember my grandmother telling me that one time. She says, you just do what you have to do. And Kate's very much that way. She's, she doesn't whine. She doesn't you know, tear her hair out and say, why me? She just says, okay, I don't really want to have to take care of my whole family, but okay, it's what I got, and I'm, it's who I am, and I'm going to do it. In this excerpt, Baker reads from Stripped Bear, the first book from the Kate Fox mystery series. I've never trusted happiness. Just when you think you've corralled that Mustang, she busts through the fence and leaves you with splinters. I should have seen it coming. Still, when I tromped through the back porch, feeling grateful to be out of the frosty night air, I wasn't worried about my world turning into a big wet manure pile. The house lights weren't on when I trudged from the barn. Carly was supposed to be home working on the term paper. If she didn't finish this paper this time, she wouldn't graduate, and my dear niece might be living with me forever. I pried off one cowboy boot and dropped it onto the porch floor when the jangle of the phone hit me. I could have ignored it, but if Ted didn't answer his cell, the county sheriff's number rolled over to the landline installed in our house. I burst through the front door and thudded through the kitchen with one boot on, one boot off. Spurred by the ringing, I flew into the closet-turned office and grabbed the old-fashioned receiver. Sheriff's office. 
Listen, Kate, Uncle Bud and Aunt, Aunt Twyla are planning Easter at their place, and I told them you'd bring that seven-layer salad. It was my sister Louise. As far as the Fox family is concerned, you can run, but you can't hide. Listen, let me talk to Carly. She's not here. Where was she, anyway? Where was Ted? I stretched the phone cord. Grand County didn't believe in fancy equipment like cordless phones. Where is she? Louise asked. Not sure. Maybe I wasn't fit to be a guardian, but I thought a girl destined to graduate from high school in a month ought to have a fair bit of autonomy. Of course, with Carly's history, I was balancing on thin barbed wire there. Louise paused to build up steam. You should supervise her better. She needs... A syllable blanked from her lecture. Gotta cut you off, Sheriff's second line. I punched line two, expecting another of my siblings, who'd also been warned against using the sheriff's official line. Sheriff's office. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God! Sobbing, hysterical, a woman blubbered into the phone. Oh, God! It took a moment to recognize the voice, and it wasn't one of my favorites. Roxy? More sobbing. He's dead, he's dead, I think, oh, God! It's Kate. Who's dead? Where are you? Kate, oh my God, blood! My skin chilled and my scalp prickled despite knowing Roxy's penchant for drama. Roxy, I yelled, trying to shock her hysterics away. Didn't work. I don't know who to call. I came home and the door was open. There's blood everywhere. Whose blood? Where are you? She finally sounded as if someone caught her with a grappling hook and dragged her slowly to the ground. I'm at Eldon's. Eldon Edwards was her father-in-law. Their houses were only a hundred yards apart and a good half hour from the nearest town. Is he hurt? She started sobbing again. He's dead. He's been shot. This was definitely a job for the sheriff. Okay, I don't know where Ted is, but I'll find him and get him out there right away. He's shot. Roxy sounded like she jumped on the panic wagon again. I'll get an ambulance and find Ted. She wailed out his name. Ted! Stay calm. He'll be there soon. He's bleeding. Oh, God, he's dying. I'd often wanted to slap Roxy, but this time I could probably get away with it. I thought you said he's dead. No, Eldon is dead, sob, sob. Then who is dying? Ted, Roxy shrieked into the phone. That's when her stampeding words started to make sense. Ted what? He's shot and there's blood everywhere. I dropped the phone and didn't hear whatever else she had to say. That's Shannon Baker reading from Stripped Bear. This episode was produced by Brooklyn Gray and Ammon Medina. I'm Micah Schweitzer. Spoken Words is a collaboration between the University of Wyoming's MFA in Creative Writing program and Wyoming Public Media.